All right. Good morning, guys. How are you all today? Welcome into Grace Meadows. Glad you guys are here with us. If you are a guest, glad to see you today. You can get to know more about us by texting the words GMC guest to 97000. Or there's a table in the back by that fireplace. When you leave, there will be somebody there to say hello, to give you a small gift, and to get some more information about you. We just want to know who you are so we can reach out, say hello, and let you know about upcoming events that we have. One of which is our Wednesday midweek meal. So we have a midweek meal every Wednesday. The food is at 6, a catered meal. This week will be from the kitchen. And then we have service at 7. So come out for that. A text will go out today through that texting system to sign up so we know how many to have, how much food to have for you. So 6 o'clock is food, 7 o'clock is service this Wednesday. Um, our college and career group, if you are outside of high school and you are in college and you are under, let's say, 25-ish, we are going to get together today at 5.30 at Alex Stover's house for a little, it's not really her house, but you know what I'm saying, for a small get-together of food, fun, a little devotion. If you... If that is your age range, and that is going to be you, Mr. Luke, please stand up real quick. See this gentleman right here in this Hawaiian shirt? If you are in the college and career age group and you want to go be part of that, come find him after service. He's going to give you all the details so that I can have enough food for you there, okay? Life groups. Our church is very, very big on life groups. We take off in the summer, but we're going to kick those back off this fall starting in September. The What that looks like for us Next week and the next, we're going to have sign-ups. We're going to do old-school sign-ups in the back. You can take a pen and piece of paper and sign your name up. Or there's also going to be a text through our system to get you into the system to get you into a life group. So if you want to be part of a life group, sign-ups are the next two weeks for that. Life groups, we meet every other week roughly. It's a time of fellowship, fun, and most importantly, God's Word. And I'm telling you, we have done, my wife and I have done life groups for many, many years, and we've seen relationships built out of that. We've seen prayers answered. I cannot encourage it enough. So be part of a life group. Lastly, this is Promotion Sunday, kids. So you will move up a grade, except if you're a fifth grader. If you're a fifth grader, there's something a little bit special for you. So you're going to stay in your class this Sunday only. Everybody else is going to move up a grade. Amen? Amen. All right. Justin's going to lead us in prayer, and we're going to start worshiping. Can everybody hear me? Hey, go ahead, bow your head, close your eyes. Dear God, we just thank you for this day. God, we thank you just for an opportunity to be here, to worship, uh, to learn who you are, to learn about you, uh, to grow in our relationship with you, God. And if, we're, uh, if we don't know you, God, God, I pray you touch that person today. You touch those, those people, you touch those hearts and just bring them in. God, we're getting ready to sing about your grace this morning. Um, I love this song in this church. I love the environment. I love the way that people sing back, God. I just encourage you, you be in each of us this morning as we sing. Amen. Don't your heart. 
So don't let your heart be the trouble. Hold your head up, I don't fear no evil. Fix your eyes on this one truth. God is madly in love with you. So take courage, hold on, be strong. Remember where help comes from.
yourself a big round of applause. As a church this morning, uh, it's just an honor that we get to be up here in worship with you all. We're getting ready to sing a, a new song, and that new song is called Same God. And uh, the chorus goes like this. Oh God, my God, I need you. Oh God, my God, I need you. How I need you now. Oh rock, oh rock of ages, I stand on your faithfulness. Like, that's us. We are always in need. We come in here ill-prepared for all of us. We leave a little room for Jesus. And um, in each of our own lives, we all need a little extra Jesus. Can I get an amen? All right, we're going to get ready and hit this. Faithfulness on your faithfulness. 
ready to sing about what he's done. 
the glory and the honor to the Son. My, My sins are forgiven. Thank you, Lord. My future is heaven. I praise God for what he's done. Sing it again. I praise God for what he's done. Jesus, we thank you for that. God, we praise you for the goodness, for the glory, for what you've done. God, this morning, as, as the word is brought, God, I just pray that we are tuned. God, though, that we're looking to hear what you've done. God, we're looking to hear what you can do in our lives. God, we're looking to hear about the goodness of who you are and the grace and mercy that you bring. God, we thank you for allowing us to be here this morning. It's in your great name we pray. Amen. All right, youth, you guys are dismissed. That is up to middle school. And I'll be down there in a second. If you're new with us, this is when the herd leaves, all the kids go out. So if you have a kid up to middle school age or into middle school, they can go that way if they would like. We've got discipleship classes down there. We have Mr. Andy Wood today. I'm going to be up here speaking for us. We're excited to have him. Um, he's coming down from Bristol this morning. He is a, he's known David Jarrett. That's how the connection was made. A week at a time for 30 years. They had a timeshare the same weeks, and so he's known them for 30 years, a week at a time. So you can say he's known for 30 years, you can say he's known for 30 weeks. I don't know how you look at it. But we're excited to have him. Glad that he's here with us this morning. Mr. Andy, come on up. You can give him a round of applause, please. Thank you. I'll say a quick prayer, and they're all yours, if that's all right. Father, we thank you this morning for Andy. Thank you for this church, God, and we just thank you for what you have done on the cross. Lord, I just pray right now that you would give him boldness, that you would give him courage, and you would calm his soul and calm his spirit, Lord. I know he's put in time, he's put in effort, he's put in work, Lord. Just now speak through him in a mighty way so that your people can hear what you have for us. Lord, we love you and we thank you. In the name I pray, amen. One of my favorite verses in the Bible is... For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future hope. That's Jeremiah chapter 29, verse number 11. And what's unique about that passage is God is giving that to his people there in Judah who had just been overcome by opposition. Opposition had come in and taken them captive. They'd been taken into exile. And God tells them, in spite of all that's happened in your life, all the harm, all the tragedy, I still have a plan for you. And I want to share with you this morning that God has a plan for you. He's got an awesome plan. It is beyond what you can ever dream. He says, I have a future for you. And the, another passage is in Ephesians uh, chapter 3, verse 20, says this, now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we can ask or think. God's plan and God's future for you is beyond, you ready for this? Your dreams. That's what that means. You think, God, I want to be here one day. God, I want to accomplish this one day. God, I want to be able to do this one day. He says, is that all? 
Is that it? The Bible is clear, and this is God's word to you. He can do beyond whatever you can imagine or think. And I, I look at that as your dreams. Anything you can dream of, anything you can think of, God can do beyond. I love the passage in Psalms that tells us that God desires His plan. What He desires to do for you, what He desires to do for me, is to actually give us the desires of our hearts. You know, I used to not believe all this as a preacher. I would think, well, these passages really don't mean that. Went to seminary and, and studied all these passages. And, well, we got to keep them all together in context because surely God doesn't mean he can do better than my dreams. Surely God d- doesn't really want to give me the desires of my heart. You know, the Christian life is supposed to be real hard and and very difficult, and we just, it's going to be difficult to make it in life. One of the reasons why I was marred with that belief was because of lack of experience. Did you know that most people will not believe parts of God's Word? I will do it at times, and you'll do it at times, because we never experienced it. And we'll say, well, that's not for me. God didn't mean it that way. See, I've never experienced it. So in order for it to be absolutely true, right? In order for God's word to be true right there, I have to be able to experience it. Listen, God's word is true regardless if you experience it or not. But I want to share with you this morning how you can start to experience God's future for your life. And to do that, we've got to tackle one issue. And it's the biggest issue you'll ever face in your life. Nothing bigger, and that is opposition. There will be opposition that constantly comes after you, comes after me, to keep us from experiencing our dreams. For keeping us from experiencing the future, the wonderful, awesome future God has for us. Sometimes that opposition, uh, as we'll see in a few minutes, can be people, family members. And we'll identify that in just a moment. But as we move forward in this message, I hope you know this. God loves you, and he's got something awesome for you, no matter what you've done. No matter where you've been, how bad you think you are, the God of this book, the Bible, the one true God, he's got something awesome for you. He has a future for you. And don't let opposition keep you from experiencing those dreams. I get emotional. Praise team, you destroyed me this morning. Worship team. I was telling Brother David, I said, they're about to turn me into a puddle over here. I'm, I'm like, where's the Kleenex? His tears are coming down. I'm like, Lord, don't let me break down, please, God. It was anointed. Thank you for that wonderful singing. And I'm, I'm emotional about this message today. Because so many people, including myself, we miss out on awesome things for our life. Because of opposition is so great. 
So right now, I want to look at, in just a few moments, how we can identify opposition and what this opposition could look like. And after we identify the opposition, then I want to give us just a few points of how we can overcome opposition, some things that we can apply to our life so that we will be able to overcome the opposition that's out there in front of us. And to identify opposition, I want to use the Bible. Uh, God's given us a history that we can look to that will show us right and wrong. It will show us His plan. And so as we look at His Bible and we begin to think about opposition, I'm reminded of a guy by the name of Joseph. Do you all remember Joseph? Did you know that um, his family, his own brothers, opposed him? They sold him into slavery. So we begin in Genesis, and you see that there's a guy by the name of Joseph that God used tremendously, and we'll see that in just a few more moments, that his own brothers, his own family, opposed him. Daniel. Now, Daniel, of course, I hope you know who I'm talking about here, Daniel in the lion's den. His co-workers were opposed to him. The guys he worked with could not stand him, so they arranged for him to be thrown in the lion's den. It didn't turn out too good for them in the end, by the way. What about King David? Did you know in Psalm chapter 3, David talks about his own son. His own son was against him. Sometimes your worst opposition that hurts the most can be family. can be your family. And it's not new to you. We have the Bible that shows us the history where this has always been happening. Now, we move to the New Testament. And I just want to spend time talking about Jesus. Uh, Jesus was born. And when he was born, Herod wanted to have him killed. His own family, his own brothers opposed him. In John chapter 7. In Mark chapter 6, his hometown and his friends rejected him and were opposed to him. In John chapter 4, there were many disciples outside of just the 12. And it says that many disciples that had been following him to that point, they said, forget you, Jesus, we're done with you. You have no future. And then one of his 12, his close 12, sold him out. For some pocket change. Then one of his good twelve, Simon Peter, what's it say about him? He was opposed to Christ going to the very cross that he came to die on. Even Jesus faced opposition. But you know Jesus' greatest opposition was Satan. In Matthew chapter 4, you see that Satan came and tempted Jesus, was opposed to Jesus, and Satan's entire plan was to keep Jesus Christ from going to the cross. Why? Because that's the greatest miracle in the history of mankind, the history of ever, is Jesus going to die on the cross for your sins, for my sins, restoring our relationship to God. And he was going to arise from the grave, second greatest miracle, so that we have hope of heaven. And Satan was opposed to him and came against him. And the Bible records this, that when, when Jesus overcame the opposition of Satan, here's what it said about Satan. It said that Satan stood back and said, I'm going to wait for a better time 
when Jesus isn't feeling good, when one of his own disciples sell him out for some pocket change, when the disciples are hiding and he's all alone on that cross, I'll come at him again just when I think he's vulnerable. Our opposition, I mentioned earlier, could be family, friends, co-workers, etc. But the greatest opposition we will ever face is Satan. And so often, they don't realize this. Family doesn't realize this. I didn't realize this. Maybe you didn't realize this. But Satan will use us to be a problem in people's lives. The Bible says this about, about Satan in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 12. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood, enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. I hope you believe the Bible, and I hope you believe what the Bible says about Satan. And the demons. My friends, this morning, Satan is as real as heaven's real. The demons are as real as you sitting here. And the Bible says your fight's not against your family, it's not against your co workers. Satan just got underneath their skin for a moment and is using them in a game against you. Your fight and my fight is against the devil, against the principalities, against the dark forces that we can't see, but they are at work every single moment. The last time I preached about Satan, I made a, a very, very unhumble statement to my people on, on a Sunday night. I said, I said, some of you Satan... He's after you right now. I said, right now, he's not after me, and everything's been going good. And when I said that, I said, oh, Lord, please forgive me. I had one of the worst weeks after that. I spent every day saying, God, I humble myself before you. I'm sorry for being arrogant. I'm sorry for thinking I'm so much greater than the people that were there that night, and that Satan doesn't bother me. By the end of the week, God took care of the problems, and he taught me a very valuable lesson. Don't challenge Satan. Let Jesus take care of Satan for you. But you've got to identify the opposition that's keeping you from an awesome future is Satan. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 8, stay alert. That means be ready. Stay alert. Watch out. Look what it says. Your great enemy. There's none greater. The devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking to devour you. Looking to destroy you. Satan's plan for you, listen to this, not just you, for your family, is to destroy you, to destroy your family, to destroy your kids, to disrupt your marriage, to destroy your integrity. Satan's plan for you is to do away with you. Listen, he hates you. He hates you more than anybody. If you belong to Jesus Christ... You are a target. And Satan's wrath cannot touch Jesus. Did you know that? 
So who else can he come after? The ones Jesus loves the most. And that's what he does. He wants to put you in a trap. He wants to catch you. He wants to pounce on you. And listen to this about Satan. He knows your weaknesses better than you do. He knows how to tempt you. He knows how to disrupt your life. He knows how to bring fear and anxiety and stress into your life. He knows how to get you to fall off the path that God has for you. He is your greatest enemy. And his greatest tool, I believe, is temptation. The one thing that will keep you from experiencing God's great future and blessings and miracles and dreams that's beyond measure is sin. Is sin. When you and I live a sinful lifestyle, we are not following God's plan. We're following the enemy's plan. Our future does not look good when we're following the enemy's plan. That's a, that's a path that leads to destruction and heartache and pain and suffering. But when we follow the Lord, that's a plan that leads to dreams being met, desires being fulfilled. But Satan knows the greatest thing he can do to you is to tempt you to live a sinful lifestyle to draw you away from God's Word, to draw you away from this awesome worship, this anointed worship we've had today. Thank you. To draw you away from being able to even, if you lift your hands, to lift your hands in praise, to shed a tear in praise, to draw you away from depending upon God. And that's His plan. And that's His strategy for your life is to come against you with temptation. But one other, th- one other group or person that I want to identify that's opposition to our future. You ready for this one? It's you. It's me. We are opposition to the wonderful plans God has for us. Think about that just for a moment. You and I are the, the people that ultimately keep God from blessing us. Sure, Satan tempts us. And the guy that cut us off the other day on the interstate, he tempted us, right? It's my children's fault. They caused me to act this way, right? Yeah. And I've got four of them. Two in college, two still in high school. But it's their fault. It's never been my wife's fault. No, I've been the fault for her, okay? But we, and so often we want to blame everybody else, blame someone else, blame the enemy. But we have to take responsibility for our actions. We can be the, some of the greatest opposition to experiencing God's future. It's through fear and unbelief, through our insecurities, through rejection that we've faced. Could be through low self-esteem. Here's one. You ready for this? Sometimes we miss out on God's future and great plans because we don't have patience. 
We say, God, I think I can handle this better than you. I'm going to take over now. And he says, okay, have at it. And then after the mess happens, we say, God, forgive me. Please help me. But sometimes it's just our lack of patience, not waiting on God. But ultimately, one of the greatest tragedies that you can face in this room and that can happen to you, and then I'm going to move on. You ready for this? Is when you have a crushed spirit. I heard some moans there. How many of you know what a crushed spirit is? See, Proverbs talks about that. Proverbs 18.4 says, The human spirit can endure sick, a sick body, but who in the world is able to bear a crushed spirit? Proverbs 17.22 says this, A cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. One of the hardest things to ever overcome is when the opposition in your life and maybe the decisions you've made and it beats you down so bad. Maybe the opposition has beat you down. Maybe it's family has beat you down. Maybe it's your work has beat you down. Or maybe it's your past has beat you down. And you feel so bad about your past that ultimately you begin to develop a crushed spirit. That you just feel shattered inside. And that God can't do anything for me. He can't help me anymore. You lose your drive. You, you, you lose your vitality. You lose that strength. I mean, he says in Proverbs, you can handle a sick body. But the one thing you cannot handle is when your spirit is crushed. It takes your strength away from you. It removes, there's no more dreams. You're just hoping to get from day to day. You there? Have you been there before? I've been there. You just, I just want to make it to the next day. Dreams? What are dreams? God's future? I just hope I make it the next three hours. A crushed spirit is the worst thing that can ever happen to any person. But I want to now share with you the good news in this message. I know that's all, wow. Wow, we got a preacher up here that's told us the world's coming to an end. No, I wanted to share with you what the opposition is because we've got to overcome it. I want to give us four points of how you can overcome whatever the opposition is in your life. And number one is this, you have got to believe God. Faith will be your foundation. It has to be your foundation. Your faith and your belief in God is going to be the only thing that can hold you up. When everything else is crumbling around you, it will be the only thing that holds you up. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 say this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will direct your path. The key part of that verse I want to share with you this morning is this. You have to trust God over yourself. You have to believe God more than you believe yourself. Your ways and your knowledge is flawed. It's hurt. It's damaged. God's is not. It's perfect. So we, we have to trust Him no matter what.
We have to believe him no matter what. We have to believe what his word says about us. Did you know the word says some amazing things about you this morning? One of my favorite passages that helped me and my wife through a very difficult moment in our life is 1 John chapter 5, verse number 4. It says, For everyone born of God overcomes this world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. The Bible teaches us that we have overcome this world and that our victory is our faith, our faith in Jesus Christ. We were in a moment in our life, just had our first daughter, Kylie, who's not here. She's in, a, in England and um, on a trip for three weeks. Three, three months old, living in a house there in Louisiana. I was going to seminary at New Orleans. And to make a long story short, be best for you. We had to leave that house. We had to leave it all. Just had the nursery, had been completed three months prior, and was so excited to bring her newborn in there. And we were evicted. We had some friends in the church that said, Hey, I've I've got a house on the river here you can stay in. I said, oh, the Lord has taken care of us. We got evicted from this house, and he's given us a place on the river. He must love us, right? We was in that, that house for about, I don't know, three days, and a, just for some reason a tropical storm decided to come up. Flooded us out of that place, and all of our stuff that was in storage was flooded. Newborn, and I thought, God, what do we do? And he says, you've already overcome. Just believe in me. Just believe in me. God has a plan for you. But you've got to believe him when he tells you you've already overcome this world. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says this. But thank God he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. You have victory. And it's through Jesus Christ. I love Romans eight thirty one. It says this. What shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for you, who in the world, who can stand against you? You've got to believe that. God is for you. If you're broken today, if you're crushed today, if, if things are going wrong in your life today, you don't know what to do about tomorrow, know this and believe this. God is absolutely for you, and no one can be against you. If Many of you know the previous verses where it says, God works all things together for the good for those who love him and are called according to his purposes. Remember we talked about Joseph? We talked about Joseph there at the very beginning. How his brother sold him into slavery. What a life he had. You know, he was sold into slavery. And then where he had his first job and had some problems there. And then he got thrown in jail. Was left in jail a little bit, a little bit longer than expected, right? But then he's made second command in Egypt. And God used him to save his family that sold him into slavery. And you know what Joseph said before he died? He says this in Genesis 50, 20. You in intended to harm me, but God intended it all for the good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. Could be your opposition is drawing you closer to God to give you strength. Because he's got something awesome for you. But you got to believe him. Believe his plan. Secondly, 
You've got to draw close to God. James 4, 7 and 8 says this. So humble yourself before God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Secondly, you've got to draw close to God. If you want to overcome opposition, you have to worship God. You have to praise Him. You've got to say, God, I love you more than anything, and draw close to Him. And the Bible says this, as you draw close to God, resist the devil. Say no to the devil's temptation. Resist his temptation. And you remember we talked about one of the greatest oppositions you'll ever face is Satan. The Bible says when you draw close to God and you start to resist the devil, there's a promise that God gives us right there. It says the devil will have to flee from you. As the devil is bringing so much into your life, you draw close to God and you commit your life to God and you love the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible is clear. As you resist the devil, he will have to leave you alone. So you need to draw close to God. Thirdly, you need to depend on God. Depend on His strength. Depend on His power. Depend on His armor for your life. Ephesians 6, 11 says this. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. Now I want to very quickly just sum up that armor in a practical way that I hope can make sense to you this morning. Verses 14 through 17 gives us the list of the armor. It tells us there's the belt of truth. You know, the belt of truth, that's God's truth for you. It will hold you up. It talks about the breastplate of righteousness. You need to be covered in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Be consumed with Jesus and be consumed with living right. He talks about the shoes of peace. That's the peace that Jesus will give you every, every day as he guides you. Peace he will give you as you make decisions in your life. Peace he will give you about the direction you should take. He talks about the shield of faith. The shield of faith, that's God's faithfulness. He will deliver you from every weapon that comes against you. I love the Bible where it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. Why is that so? Because you have the shield of faith. That is God's faithfulness. Even when you're not faithful and I'm not faithful, God is always faithful. He talks about the helmet of salvation. That's God's salvation through Jesus Christ will complete you. You'll be made complete in Christ. And that helmet covers your head to protect your mind. Because there'll be times that Satan wants to tell you, God does not love you anymore. God does not have a plan for you. But let that helmet protect your mind to know that once you gave your life to Christ, you belong to him for eternity. And then the one weapon he gives us is the sword of the Spirit. That's God's word to fight for us. There's actually kind of seven weapons or seven parts of the armor. Some people leave out verse 18. Do you know verse 18, when he says all this about the armor, he immediately says this after he talks about the sword of the Spirit. He says, pray. Pray about everything, and in all ways, pray. You know why that's important? Jesus performed a miracle with his disciples. A man had brought a demon-possessed boy to his disciples. They couldn't cast the demon out. He took him to Jesus, and Jesus cast the demon out. Later that day, the disciples said, 
Jesus, you gave us power to do that. How come we couldn't do it? And you know what Jesus said to his disciples right then? He said, some things can only happen by prayer. By prayer. So don't forget to pray. And then last of all, I'm going to skip that next verse. But last of all, we yield to the Spirit of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse number 16 says this. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you will not be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. You see, he tells us right here, you've got to yield to the Spirit of God, follow the Holy Spirit, because there's a craving out there within your life. It's called that flesh nature, and it's against the Spirit of God. And they're at odds against each other. And the only way you're going to be able to make it is you've got to follow the Holy Spirit. A good friend of mine told me this one time. He says, you know who wins that battle between the Holy Spirit in your life and that flesh nature in your life? He says, the one you feed the most. I said, wow, that's deep. It is deep, isn't it? Feed the Spirit of God within you, the things of God, and you'll overcome your opposition. As we close this morning, I want to share this with you. With all my heart, and I believe it, and I believe it for you, I don't know what you've been through. I don't know what you're facing. And there's some mean people in this world. But I believe with all my heart, God will and can deliver you and give you a great future. Forgive people that have come against you. They love you deep down. Sometimes the devil uses them. I, I wish I could go back in time. There are times I've apologized to my wife over and over again. I felt like I was opposition to her early in our marriage and tried to keep her spirit crushed. But God will deliver you. And he's got a future for you. There's some dreams right now that need to be resurrected in your soul. There's some dreams that you've just put away because you thought, I'm done. I prayed this morning God has used me to help resurrect some dreams and some desires that have been pushed away. And it's my prayer for you that God will deliver you and show you He's got an awesome path for you. And as I close, I want to pray for you before the worship team sings this last song. And I want to pray that God's anointing would come upon you and show you and revive those dreams in your heart. Dear God, nothing's impossible for you. Jesus, you tell us that. I believe it. You're still teaching me about it. I know the people here believe it. And God, I pray for every person in this room. Some are in the middle of some great opposition possibly right now. And God, I pray that they will overcome it through you. They'll believe you and they'll stand on you, Lord. They'll let you be their foundation. 
God, I pray you'll knock those walls down that are in their life. And God, for the one in here or two or many of us that have a crushed spirit, it just seems like it's broken and can't be repaired. God, I pray you'll bring it back together and strengthen it beyond what it's ever been. God, please do a work. Give us all that awesome future. But may we have the faith, God, to please you. May we believe in you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
That line, our souls find its place at the foot of the cross. What would it look like for us to just leave everything this morning at the foot of the cross? The burdens we're carrying, the, the sins, everything in our lives, just lay it at the feet of Jesus. As Andy reminded us, Jesus has told us, there will be trouble, but take heart. Don't have a broken spirit. Why? Because he has overcome the world. Let's pray. Father, uh, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your strength and your power and your authority over everything we talked about today. Father, we thank you um, that you are for us, that this radical truth that not only have you created everything, but you look over every single detail of our lives and you are for us. Man, Father, I pray that that truth will just, uh, just overcome us this morning. Father, we love you a whole lot. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Andy, thank you. Uh, your humility and love for Jesus showed. Yeah, thank you for sharing this morning. Absolutely. Hey, uh, also, Wednesday night at 6, dinner, and then service starts at 7. Don't miss it. We've had some awesome Wednesday nights lately. I'll see you guys then. Y'all are sent. Have a great week.